Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So I know like you guys are probably saying like, why do I keep having these reoccurring themes? And it's like, it's not intentionally done in, in this particular fashion, but we have another financial person background that has jumped into this, say, health and then took that health and then converted it into something else. So today I'm going to deem our guest Riley as the sleep boss. And just by that title, you can kind of, get, you know, understand what we're going to get into. So I want you to tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and a little bit about your background and how did you get into sleep? Definitely. Well, thank First of all, thank you for having me on. So a little bit about, about me. My name is Riley Jarvis. I am the CEO of The Sleep Consultant. We help uh, specifically CEOs, entrepreneurs, executives, a lot of high-performing people, even athletes with their sleep, really to increase their productivity and performance throughout the day. But it's really morphed now to everybody with their sleep because it's something that we all do and something that we all need help with. Kind of my origin story, like you said, I originally started in finance. I was doing investment banking. It's something that I went to school for. But I realized a few, few years into it that uh, my body just started becoming burnt out. And eventually I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Mm. Um, it forced me to quit my job, uh, become bedridden. So kind of throughout that, I really hit rock bottom at that, at that period of my life. I really had to spend hours upon hours each day researching about health. and like, how does our biology work? How do all these different systems of our biology work? And all together, what that turns into is us performing in our best, most optimized self. Um, because really the work culture today is hustle, hustle, hustle to get ahead. Opposed to if we can optimize internal, we can have a more effortless experience of life, but get more done at the same time. And I feel like society now is not necessarily brainwashed, you know, into that. But I think the more people that I've worked with, the more people that I've seen who have hustled and burned the candle at both ends for their entire life, and we entangle those wires, they're like, wow, why didn't I do this earlier? And I get more done, health better, and so much more. So that's just a little bit about me in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely could appreciate that. And I, mean, I think anyone that has any health issues or you know potentially working, burning the candlesticks on both ends could definitely relate to it. So, like, just just dive into that and unpack it like a little bit more. Because I mean, obviously, melatonin gummies are like the craze. These in my house, I mean, it's to the yeah. point that we're giving yeah. melatonin gummies to the animals, right? So, it's yeah. getting into that sleep routine. So, like, just talk about that, like. How do you do what you do? Like, how are you helping? Is it more of a mental? Is it physical? Is it a combination of both? Yeah, it's a really good question. And to touch on the first part you said, you, you said was we've, we're in such a like, let's take this pill and, you know, it's going to solve our problems. Whether that's sleeping medication, whether it's the melatonin gummies, that's a big craze now that tastes like a Flintstone medicine. But really what I do now with clients is uh, we, we approach everything from a holistic thing. So in the conventional medical industry, you go to a specialist for one thing. So it could be like a sleep doctor. Um, and then they'll assign you some sleep medication. Like that's kind of the end of the road there. It could be a hormone specialist. It could be something for your stomach or your brain, but there's no one that really combines everything, looks everything from a bird's eye view to see like what's all happening here and combine those pieces because every single system inside of our, our biology is related in some way. So what I do is I come in as kind of this overseer and we use holistic protocols to fix everything. And the way I do that is through sending lab test kits directly to people's houses and it's worldwide. So we'll look at their entire, entire genetic profile. We'll look at all their hormones. We'll look at the brain neurotransmitters, their gut. 
um, different blood markers, you know, testosterone, all these different things. And we combine this into one entire analysis. And I can see based on that to develop a holistic protocol for them and bring everything back into the balance. And people would be surprised, you know, it could be like from two weeks to sometimes one or two years for people. It just depends on how long they were struggling for and how long it takes them to change their existing lifestyle. Uh, but they can see profound changes in a matter of weeks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I love listening to you speak because I mean, I could hear like the, like the not the boiler room, but I could hear like the analytical data side of you, right? Like coming <laughs> from like the analyzing the market and understanding the value and all that stuff. But you're taking that which you've learned before, and it seems like you've kind of converted it into the, like the medical space. So let's talk about that that conversion. I mean, obviously, they're they're both in one hemisphere of the brain, but I mean, analytical data and medical data are essentially two different monsters, two different beasts. So how did you kind of work on combining those two? Yeah, really good point. So what what, what I do specifically is um, I, I kind of turn the analytics of the finance side into the medical side because we look at the objective objective uh, markers, in, in other words, biomarkers of what we see on the lab testing. So it could be, for example, your cortisol. What is your total cortisol in the morning? What is it in the afternoon? And what is it at nighttime? What are your genetics showing me? I mean, it might not be a numerical value. Uh, but I can see, like, are you more a tendency to be a night or owl person or more of a morning person? Um, do you have a tendency for certain rhythms throughout the day? I look at, for example, people's, if they're a female or male, really just depends. What are we producing more of if it's testosterone or if it's more estrogen? Um, it could be our brain um, uh, neurotransmitters. It could be stuff inside of our gut, too. So if we're seeing, like, do we have these active parasites, even though we're eating a healthy diet, they're actually actually taking the nutrients of the healthy food that we're eating, and it doesn't assimilate that into our hormones and everything that we need to make, uh, you know, energy focus, just well-being with ourselves. Um, you know, it's just so it's all these different things that I combine and I put on an Excel document with each client that I work with, and then we follow up with them. So, like, okay, based on the protocol that we designed, based on this initial lab work that we ordered through for you, in three months' time, we'll order the same thing. We'll retest and we'll see, like, okay, are things headed in the right direction? Now I take a two-pronged approach. One is objective, but the other is subjective. And usually how somebody feels has to be the leading indicator. Like, how do you feel now compared to before? So I'll also give them, you know, questionnaire scale one of 10. How did you sleep last night? How did you feel? And when we look at that, and we also look at their sleep tracking data, I'll send them something known as an aura ring. And it's just a ring that tracks their sleep. It's like an Apple watch or something. And when I see that, uh, those markers too, combined with the lab test based on, and then plus everything that they're telling me, everything together, we can see that the, the needle's pointing in the right direction. And, you know, it depends if somebody is more the biohacker type who is already feeling amazing, they just want to optimize, or is it somebody who's, it doesn't necessarily have to be the disease state like I was, I just want to show people what's possible, but really somebody that needs more help in that, we're moving the, you know, the dial in the right direction either way. Nice, nice. I mean, I, again, it goes back to like your financial, but I, I could hear it through and through. I mean, you're talking about suitability, <laughs> you're talking about financial planning, you're talking about long-term objectives, but you're taking all those key key analysis, key points, and you're converting them into medical. So I think that, that that's definitely, I see the connection. That's my oh, point. I definitely, I definitely I see the connection. That. So um, going into a little bit more about you, like if you, obviously you have multiple different, different backgrounds going on, right? So if you could define yourself in three to five words, what three to five words would you choose? Really good question. I would say somebody who's uh, service to the people, I, I would say that that's it. Um, but if you were just come up with adjectives for me as a person, I would say it would be like relentless, diligent. I'm very passionate. Um, I'm very empathetic. And uh, I would also say I am, um, I'd say caring as well. 
Very interesting. So going back to like your journey to, to where you are right now, do you think you would be where you are right now if you didn't hit that medical crisis at the point in time of life when you hit it? That's a really good question. I've never had somebody ask me that before. And I've asked myself that same question. And maybe it was a blessing in disguise. I mean, looking back that to kind of go on this journey. Um, I think it was. I mean, if if it wasn't for this medical thing that I had, I obviously had some gen- genetic susceptibility to Crohn's. And it was probably just the environment of all the stress that really pulled the trigger on that, that manifests into more things. But, you know, if it wasn't for that, I think I probably just would have continued eating, eating maybe just a crappy diet and not prioritizing my health. And then, you know, maybe decades onwards, if I continued down that path, because I mean, I was back then over 10 years ago, I was drinking a lot of alcohol. Cheeks were super puffy and just all these other things. I can only imagine what that would have led to. Um, I mean, I think especially just with just given the circumstances of the stress I was working 12 to 18 hour work days, you can only do that for so long before the doctor tells you something's something's up with you. Then, then I'm out of everything completely. Plus, uh, I'll have to rebuild my health from scratch. I mean, so I'd rather do it early opposed to 50 or 60 years old. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, just talk about like the the Crohn's for a minute. Like, so again, let's talk about like what does Crohn's essentially have to do with like sleep and and how does sleep then help benefit for that, for that particular disease? For sure. And it's definitely a chain. What you just said, it really just links to like, how does one part of the body relate to everything else? And especially how, how productive we are and how, how we perform in our day-to-day lives. So Crohn's is essentially inflammation. Um, it's kind of inside of the whole body. So we have inside of our body, we can have autoimmune disease. So it's also known as irritable bowel disease. And you have, you have uh, Crohn's disease, which is specific, um, something known in your stomach of kind of like your small intestines and the terminus ileum, where it kind of comes your small intestines into your large intestines, and then eventually comes out. Then you have ulcerative colitis, which is closer kind of to like that rectum area, not to be graphic. But what that turned into is because it's, I have inflammation inside of the body, my body is constantly trying to put out the fires when my body was inflamed mm. of trying to lower the inflammation inside of the body. Now, inflammation isn't a bad thing. It's actually good. For example, when we cut, our, when we cut ourselves and we get a scab, that's our body trying to heal itself. I mean, it's really a work of art, but where it doesn't, where it doesn't benefit us is where, you know, our body comes in and our immune system overreacts because it thinks that there's an ongoing attack on the body and that's actually happening. And that's what happens with Crohn's is we have an oversensitive immune system that kind of comes to the rescue and does that. And that's what turns into um, Crohn's where you get a lot of inside of the small intestines or wherever it is inside of the stomach, you'll get like these bubbles and you know what that causes people to have low energy, you know, they not forgetful. And it's just our body, body running on overdraft to really fix all of those things. Um, and that's really what just what sent me downhill with all that stuff. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, okay, let's say you're talking to CEOs, you're talking to startup owners, you're talking to um, executive teams, um, business owners, and you come in and you're saying, okay, like part of your issue that you have right now, it may not even be the structure of your business. It may not be the functionality of your employees. It may not be the systems at hand. And then you step in, you say, I think it's because you're sleep deprived. Like how does, how do you overcome that? Cause I mean, a, a business owner may look at you and, and be like, what does sleep have to do with my business? So yeah. what would, what would you, how would you compensate that? Yeah. That's, that's one thing I run into these people probably 60 to 70% of the time when working with them, it's kind of untangling those wires mentally before we actually start changing their biology and seeing how they feel. It would be really easy if we could just give them a pill and show, showing them what sleep would like what better sleep would be able to give them. But sometimes it takes them, you know, two or three weeks of better sleep and fixing a lot of these underlying things in their biology before they first start to feel better. And then eventually what happens you see is you'll see it completely flip where now they get a taste of what it feels like. 
they start to feel better, they start to perform better, that they never want to return to that old lifestyle ever again. And then they just want to keep doing that thing. And then now these clients are very easy to work with. But initially it's, it, yeah, it's telling them like, look, you can actually get more done. Uh, or at least if they don't have as many hours during the night to sleep, that we can optimize and making the quality of those hours better and deeper, uh, you know, so when they go and perform that they can do so much better. So it's not about quantity as it is for the quality of those hours that they're working. Hmm. Could you talk to like, let's say a testament to a particular client that you actually had that, you know, before they were struggling, they were fighting and they were trying to overcome whatever hurdle it was with their business. And then through what you've educated them on and helped them through, what was the success story after you helped them? Yeah, for sure. So I work with a lot of venture capitalists, um, you know, they're kind of in the, the finance space and they're kind of like the extreme end of society who are working huge bags under their eyes, working all the time. And one person in particular, they were in their fifties, not looking to retire yet soon. These guys never want to retire. They just want to keep going, going, going. And they've been doing it for decades upon decades. So what I had to do with them is uh, he came to me actually, because the doctor came to him and said like, look, your health's not really good. Like if you keep burning the candle at both ends, stuff is going to happen to you. And he had a family history of cancer and all these other things. But primarily he came to me because he wanted just better productivity. He was drinking five to six coffees a day and they weren't doing anything for him anymore. Uh, medication wasn't doing anything for him anymore. So he really had a dead end. The people he trusts in society, his doctors said like, look, we can't help you anymore. So that was kind of the end of the road for him. And we started from scratch. We started optimizing his diet, lowering inflammation inside of his body, controlling the blood sugar, managing the stress hormones, uh, giving him a lot of the supplements to support that. Because he couldn't just stop everything in his existing lifestyle. We had to give him the support so he could still do that, but giving him the support in his body and his hormones and all those organs needed. So in the background, they could be repairing and not just putting out fires, um, building itself up instead of breaking it down. Um, so when we started doing that, then he started to experience um, more energy, more focus. And because of that, he didn't require as many hours to work to get something done during the day. Yeah, I think we were able to give him an extra two to three hours each day, which was huge for him. More time to spend with his family. He was going to the gym, working out, doing yoga. And now it goes full cycle. He was better able to get lower stress, better sleep. And then it just got better and better and better. And now he's, uh, I think he's only doing like four hour work days, but he's just in such a better place. He lost like 50 or 60 pounds off all medications. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on from there. And a lot of people, just as a side note here, a lot of people don't realize with sleep, they think it's just this thing where, you know, we just kind of have to put it on the back burner, put aside. We just close our eyes, we wake up and our body's ready to go again. But while we're actually sleeping, our body's restoring our mind, it's consolidating our memories, it's allowing us to learn. But even on our... Uh, on a hormone level, um, we have something known as human growth hormone, and we get the biggest release of human growth hormone in the, in the middle of the night. And if we're not getting that, it's going to cause, you know, a lot of, for example, our metabolism to be lower than it should. So we're going to be getting weight gain. Um, a lot of people I've seen too, who've had physical injuries, a lot of athletes, they've been going to physiotherapists and everything, and they just have never been able to get that pain away. But when we're able to help them sleep better, they're able to get this hormone, uh, HGH, human growth hormone, released during night, which is so essential to repair. Now, all of a sudden, these injuries and the soreness just magically goes away. Usually, physiotherapists or doctors don't necessarily know why, but it's just an interesting thing when we address our body on, a, on this holistic level. It, it has an ability as a, as a, to heal itself. Uh, we just have to give it the inputs to do so. Yeah, I think every, everything you just said it was, is, is profound in a way because, I mean, kind of going back to like your financial background and, and those that understand finance, I mean, you can definitely hear how he kind of depicted risk management and converted <laughs> that into medical, yeah. right? So which which is beautiful, the way that you do it so elegantly without even trying, right? So and in that, you also um, kind of 
pre-led into like your, your your ideal avatar and it seems like because you have a financial background essentially you're talking to a venture capitalists or VCs in this case. So I want you to talk about that. Is that like your, your, obviously you deal with CEOs and you deal with executives, but are those more so VC driven companies that you're dealing with? I would say so for the most part. Yeah. It's either those kind of people, people who are into kind of on the forefront, like an entrepreneur who's, who's working as much as venture venture capital would. A lot of, I get a lot of people as well in biotech because they, they appreciate health, but they don't understand a lot of their own health, just the specialty they're in. It could be genetics or something. Um, and then that's where I come in and really help them improve that. Because again, it really just comes down to productivity. How can I get more done in a day? How can I make my time more productive? A lot of the time they don't, you know, they've been drinking coffee for, or whatever the stimulant is, they just want more energy for a long period of time. And they've been doing all these things, um, sacrificing their health to do so. And that's where they come see me sort of at the dead end. But the people who are more aware, more conscious about that thing, they'll take a more proactive approach and see me before, you know, it comes to that point. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that leads me to like my next question. I mean, obviously you speak about like health so profoundly. And again, we're piggybacking on the fact that you have a financial background and the way you, you're switching between them is definitely phenomenal. But, you know, like somebody may be listening to you and they've been saying, OK, this guy is great. He's an overnight success. He, you know, this just happened to him. But in reality, how long have you been on this road, this journey, this road to get you to where you are currently? Really good question. So I've been on the journey myself for about seven years. And when entrepreneurship first started for me, I mean, it was like, it was like, cool, here's this thing called sleep that I can help people with. And it started me just helping like local, like my friends, friends of friends, like their parents, you know, and I kind of had a name for myself in my local community. But then I, and then I kind of struck me like, wow, this could actually turn into something. And I looked around as like, sleep is something that's so neglected. A lot of people know things about uh, diet. There's so many nutritionists out there. They know stuff about exercise, personal trainers, but sleep is kind of that one. I usually call them the three mayos. But sleep is that one that a lot of people don't, you know, focus on, but the ROI on it for something that we're doing anyway. And it's so simple. It's not like you have to go to the gym and people are just like, oh, I got to go to the gym now after work. Or it's like a diet where it's like three teaspoons of this, five cups of this. It's just so much work to put into it. Sleep is something that if we can just make a few tweaks and optimize anyway. We can just get such a higher impact um, throughout our lives. So that's kind of what started for me. And then I went into initially, it was drop shipping. So I had my own uh, drop shipping store, drop shipping products from um, Alibaba from China and stuff like that, specifically for sleep. Uh, you know, it was kind of everything. I'm also a professional copywriter as well. So I've been doing that, but not in different biotech companies. But really, uh, it kind of turned into sleep. I mean, I was speaking to so many different business coaches, gone into their programs. So I learned a lot about funnels, sales you know, conversion processes and everything else throughout that. But sleep was kind of that, that corner piece that kind of held it all together for me. Gotcha. So, I mean, essentially everything that you've learned, you figured out how to funnel it into that one core niche and then everything that you, that you've learned, you're utilizing to grow and profound that particular niche, which is, that's the way it should be done. Right. Definitely. Exactly. So just talk about time travel for a minute. And I know that's kind of like a random throw it out there at you, right? So let's say if you had an opportunity to go back in time and communicate to yourself anywhere on that seven-year timeline, what's one thing that you would want to say to yourself if you had five minutes to say it, and what would you say to change where you are? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think for me, it would have been definitely enjoy the journey more. I think when I was, I mean, looking back, you know, when I was in the weeds of all these things, I was so stressed with the business and things like that, especially when my health was deteriorating. I was out of my job, uh, really hit rock bottom, didn't have income coming in. And I, I felt like I was cornered in a lot of ways. So what I did was almost out of survival. It was really like, I really just have to, whatever it takes, I'm going to achieve that thing. 
And I think like telling myself back then, hey, just enjoy life. It would have been a little bit difficult given the circumstances that I was in. But I think it would have been enjoying that process a lot more because that would have come through through the people I talked to, through the sales calls. Definitely in the early stages when I was just going into entrepreneurship, you know, it's just you were too needy for the clothes, too needy for the sale, trying to help people with their health. All these things were just coming through. And it's just it, it was like wherever I go, there I was. It was that, it was that famous saying, right? And I think looking back, the more I prioritize my health and my sleep and focusing on my health and not focusing too much on those other things, I found the other things would kind of fall into alignment anyway, if I just did focus on my health. Um, and that once I put the intention there and just focused on the things that mattered most to me, that's where it really, it, it did really help me. So, you know, I would have learned like all the business tactics and everything else anyway, but I think just mindset wise, I think it all starts from the mindset, no matter what stage you are throughout entrepreneurship. That's uh, one thing I would have focused on for sure. That would have, uh, that for sure would have changed things. Nice. Nice. So let's just, just keep, keep on this time travel thing. Let's just, just take it back a little bit further. Right. I mean, cause again, earlier on, you said like, you know, genetically you're inclined to have Crohn's disease. So that kind of leads me to like, what kind of upbringing did you like? What kind of household did you come into? I mean, what kind of kid were you? Were you one of those kids that were like a bookworm? Were you a gamer? Or were you one of those kids that was sitting in the corner and you would memorize the almanac? Yeah, good question. Uh, so I was a massive gamer growing up. I became addicted to World of Warcraft for probably, you know, about seven years. Um, you know, I could still talk about it and memorize it to this day. But I was also too, I was really, I kind of felt like I had an engineering mind. I was always building Lego and connects. And all these things that my parents would buy for me, and I remember like the age of the the age of the Lego box would say like like nine to twelve years old or sixteen years old, and I was like I don't know seven eight years ahead. I just I really wanted to learn all this stuff. I was always into computers from a super young age. Uh, my first job though, I was working at um, it's the equivalent to Best Buy. It was called Future Shop before they went out of business in Canada. And, uh, you know, just working on a commission basis, getting into sales, interacting with people, seeing what that was all about. But both my parents, my mom was a nurse, so she had the health side down. She was very empathetic, but my dad was on the extreme end. He was like kind of that tough love, go-getter, you know, kind of person. He was, uh, he was actually in the um, hospitality management industry. He was a GM for about 20, 25 years. And just naturally because of that, uh, you know, the cities that we lived in, he just had a network of pretty high profile people throughout the city. So I just felt like because of that, I was introduced to these people from a pretty young age, which I feel very fortunate for looking back, looking at it. So I think through them, just learning the work ethic, you know, maybe how to make money, how the system works mm. and everything else. I felt like in some ways I did have that, that advantage. But when the Crohn's hit me, it was something that I felt like in the, in the early stages, I had a lot of things going for me, but I w I didn't have that resilience to when something went bad for me. I didn't know how to adapt to that. So when Crohn's hit me, it was like, it was such a wake up call that I feel like I had to just completely relearn so many things at once, um, which is probably consequently like what I needed the most at the time. Um, you know, it's just kind of funny how the universe works sometimes in that way. So uh, looking back, I think that's, uh, it was, it was all meant to happen for that reason. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you kind of brought up your dad and it seems like indirectly, I mean, some of your entrepreneurial insight may or may not have come from your dad. So the next question is like, do you feel that there was anyone, maybe your dad or anyone else in your bloodline or your family that was entrepreneurs that you were watching and possibly mimicking later on? Yeah, great question. So I was uh, from a young age, to be honest, I really didn't like the nine to five job structure. Even when I was like 12, 13, 14 years old, I always just found myself coming up with like unique solutions. Like I remember building my, like just certain video games, just building things on my own, you know, and just, whenever I had to work for somebody else or do some kind of nine to five job, when it wasn't something that I wanted to do, I just found myself at work all the time. 
from a young age, you know, whether it was like counting down the hours to go home, working on another side venture, doing like the paper route as a kid. I think I was just very self-determined that way and just a curious individual. Um, I, I was also a magician from my young age. So I was doing magic tricks for people and making some money, going to my dad's hotel, you know, doing events and stuff like that too. So that was always a side thing. People I got that from though, uh, my dad to a degree, I think so, but he was really stuck into the nine five mentality. Mm-hmm. Same with every other people he knew. So I really reached out from a young age. I remember just being a teenager looking out for people. So like, I remember Ty Lopez was a really big one, like Gary Vaynerchuk and just all these people in the space. And then when you listen to, especially podcasting, I was listening to Joe Rogan from a very young age, uh, Tim Ferriss going into the health space and just all these things that break the frontier of what the conventional line of thinking is. I, it would just always fascinate me. And I always question like, why don't other people talk about this? And I think that's what attracted me to it. And then when people said no, it just made me more inclined to say yes. And then you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And then when you look back, it's like, wow, I created this completely separate niche for myself that uh, really just was a reflection of my own interest. Nice, nice. So, I mean, I mean, with that, I mean, currently right now, I mean, I'm not sure how old you are, but where do you currently stand? Like you were talking about your dad was kind of like the tough love and your mom was a little bit more nurturing. Do you think that has any effect on where you are right now as far as your, your general family life? Uh, I would say so for sure. Um, to be honest, I feel again, very fortunate. My, my relationship with my parents has always been quite good. I would say when I first got into entrepreneurship, my dad was very resistant to it just because he was in that old mentality. So we definitely had a lot of friction there. Uh, but, you know, growing up with that tough love and everything, as many, I have three younger brothers and we would, you know, as brothers do, we get into fights regularly, but, you know, fast forward till today, we have all great relationships. And I think, you know, coming home after a hard day when I was a kid, I had my mom for that support, but I also had my dad to push me in that direction. We had, you had the, the nurture from, from my mom, but then with my dad, you also had that, that drive and to go get it. And I think genetically too, I have that from, from him a little bit as well, but I think I'm very fortunate to have that upbringing um, to where that all came through. So from a young age too, um, as a kid, my dad would have to transfer through the hotel industry you know, we go to, to one hotel, move in this to move to one city. It was all throughout Canada, but I felt like I had to make new friends starting from scratch again and again and again. So uh, at the time, it didn't feel great. But over time, I think that was a blessing in disguise. Nice. Nice. So just just jumping back from from like your family life into like like the sleep thing. So, I mean, obviously you're saying that sleep is definitely a principle to start off your day. Right. So my next question is about, OK, you slept well, you had a great night's sleep. Everything is structured yeah. as you wanted it to be going into your morning, but how does your morning routines work? How, like what, what, what rituals do you have? What do you do routinely every morning? Yeah, really good question. So it's actually based, everybody genetically is, um, is wired to either be more of a morning person or more of a nighttime person. And there's a lot of gray area here, but just put it simplistically, that's what it is. So people should start the day off just depending on whatever they're genetically susceptible uh, best for. But what I say generally, what you want to do is when you first wake up from our breath alone, while we sleep, we lose about one liter of water. So the first thing we want to do is drink one liter of water, usually with some Himalayan sea salt, Celtic salt, as well as some lemon to restore those electrolytes. Um, But what what do most people do when they first wake up? They go for a cup of coffee. Well, a cup of coffee is a diuretic, which actually dehydrates us. And being hydrated for our body is important for our brain function and just so many different things inside of our body. So that's the first thing. The next thing I would do is when uh, you have a shower is try and do the last one to two minutes of your shower, 
put it to the coldest setting and try aim that shower kind of where your brainstem is at the back and also kind of where your collarbone is. We kind of have receptors, you know, glands here that really tell our body to wake up, um, reduce stress and really get our day going. So on a hormone level, that's really good too. Um, and then when it comes to eating breakfast, you can decide to eat breakfast or not eat breakfast. I usually say to people, they can fast if their body can tolerate it. Some people's body are just so stressed out. They need the nutrients from the food um, in order to do so. Intermittent fasting though is amazing. It does so many things for our body. And we don't have our, if we don't have our first meal until about 12, 2 PM, that can be really good. But if you did, if you do decide to eat, you want to go for something that's nutrient dense. And what that looks like is a source of protein and a source of fat carbs is good, but I usually save that for later in the day. Cause if we do have carbs, we'll have a crash. Most people go for like a toast or a bagel. Um, so it could look like eggs with fruit. It could be a protein shake, whatever that is. If we can really get those things down to simplify it, that would be really good. Um, the last thing I would say, if we, if we can do deep breathing, breathing is so important for our body to get it started. Um, so if we can do, people have heard of Wim Hof um, doing that kind of deep diaphragmic breathing is also really good as well. I think one of the things that's interesting that, that you brought up, not only did you bring up water, but you brought up, I mean, adding, I think you said Himalayan sea salt or Himalayan salt. So let's talk about that. I mean, what, what is the, the effect of putting that salt in that water? I mean, what, what are we looking to get the results from that? Yeah. So we, uh, we, salt has a bad rap, right? Cause people think, well, refined salt going back. It's just, you know, it's in fried food and everything else, but there's different kinds of salt. This salt, the Himalayan salt is so good for us because it actually has a lot of electrolytes and minerals inside of it. So this could be like potassium, magnesium, different forms of salt. People can think of it as like a Gatorade. Gatorade is full of, full of food coloring, all these things that we don't want, but inside of there is very good. Um, we just naturally, the more stressed we are, the more minerals we're going to deplete throughout our body. And, and, you know, when we deplete more minerals, it could be your B vitamins as well. It's just going to make us not feel like our most optimized self. It's not everything that happens inside of our mind. It's not a matter of pushing through when we're running through a deficiency of these things. We actually have to supply our body with these building blocks that our brain needs and our, our body needs to function. Mm -hmm. So what it basically does is, is one for our muscles, it keeps it, um, there's a potassium uh, charge basically when we work out. So if we notice our muscles are, you know, feeling fatigued, feeling tired, it's very good for that, but also for our brain function too. Um, we need this potassium and that's a lot of the properties um, and nutrients inside of this Himalayan sea salt, Celtic salt and different forms of salt. Redmond's real salt's another great one as well. That's really good for that. Um, in addition to that, um, a lot of us are just naturally dehydrated. So that's where we have to replenish it as well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things is like the more, you know, right. It's kind of like, it opens up your yeah. eye kind of thinking about, you know, I, I don't think personally, I talked to myself, I didn't really look at salt in the ways that you're describing it, but it definitely makes sense, especially with the electrolyte based system like that, for sure. Another thing that I want to bring up that you said earlier, I mean, you brought up Ty Lopez, um, Tim Ferriss and Gary V and all three of them are essentially like avid book readers, right? Especially Tim. Tim is like, he reads books yeah. all day, all night. So my next question is based upon those three people that, that, you know, not you idolize, but you were watching and, and essentially mimicking what they were doing. What books did you read on your journey to get to where you are currently? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I've read so many books. Um, honestly, the the books by Robert Greene probably stick out to me the most, uh, mindset-wise. I remember reading Mastery back in the day. That was super good. But then I started getting into business, and people were kind of trying to take advantage of me. So I was like, okay, time for 48 Laws of Power. <laughs> you know. And then you got into, like, the most recent one was uh, Laws of Human Nature. I mean, that thing is a brick. That thing is massive. It's his most recent book. It's just so fascinating learning about people. But just, you know, 
there's so many, he's a historian and on all the lessons that we talk about there, history always repeats itself. And what was really important for me is reading the essential, like if I could just stick to the top 50 books and reread them opposed to going to new books all the time, I just learned new lessons upon new lessons upon new lessons every single time. So the Robert Greene books, um, you know, health wise, there's a book known as the Ultramind Solution by Mark Hyman. That's really a good one in health. Um, if it's investing, it's um, uh, by Billy Graham, the intelligent investor. That's probably the best one there. Um, Peter, Peter Thiel, zero to one is incredible. Um, uh, for customer service, the effortless experience, the CEO, I think of Starwood at the time. That's amazing. Um, you know, all the Tim Ferriss books are just incredible. Um, you know, just, it goes on and on with all this stuff. But if I can say one thing about books, reading it is very good. But one thing is like, I'm extremely busy right now. So I listen to two more audiobooks than I do before. Like if I'm going driving somewhere, if I'm just working out, or I even just like, um, book summaries. Um, if I can get all the main points of the book without going through all the fluff, then I will. But you know, I do listen to like, like fantasy books or like Atlas Shrug or any of these Anne Rand books. I like to just enjoy it and sit down. So if I am to do it, I want to do that maybe before bed when my mind can just roam and wander a couple hours prior and then um, drift off. Nice. Nice. Have you had opportunity to read um, Robert Greene and 50 cents book? Um, it's called the 50th law. Yeah, I did. Yeah. That book is amazing. It's incredible. It's been a couple of years since I did it, but it inspired me so much. It's just that relentless drive where 50 cent came from and all the principles he learned through that. Like if you can apply that to the business world, like just in that tough, ruthless doggy dog environment, yeah. what 50 Cent had to go through and just that entire thing. I mean, it's just incredible. I also recently watched uh, uh, Kanye West documentary, the three-part series, and just kind of that that journey to get through, I just relate to it in so many ways. So highly recommend that to listeners who haven't seen it yet. Nice, nice, nice. So, I mean, with, with that, I mean, obviously you, you're, you're, you're so compact with so much different levels of, of intellectual information, whether it's on the finance side and the health side and just general business. Have you had opportunity or are you thinking about possibly writing a book yourself? You know, I really thought about it. I did write one on sleep, um, you know, a little bit. It's maybe it's only about 100 pages long, kind of what got me into sleep, what people people can do on a basic level. But I definitely would like to do I feel like there's just so much that I need to know. And I'm just every single day, I'm just excited to get up and do something. I just felt like in the nine to five job, I was working for something else, somebody else. And it was like, where is this leading to? But now that I'm working for myself, it's like when I go in, go out into the world, it's it's almost like, you know, it's an experiment. It's almost like just, okay, what's going to happen today? Let's try this thing. Like, who am I going to talk to on a sales call today? Let's try this psychological, not tactic, but just something I heard from somebody. Or, you know, one other thing that I did too, is I used to live in China for one year. So learning, learning Chinese again, and just, you know, talking with people about it. I just feel like there's such a vast array of things you can do. And if it's something that you actually enjoy doing that, it's life's kind of a playground at this point, but just trying it all out. Like if somebody was to say, what would you do in your free time? I would just say the same thing anyway. Nice, nice. It's funny that you brought up China. I mean, were you in like the financial district in Shanghai? Like, well, what side of China were you at? Uh, yeah. So when I first went there, I was in the city of Nanjing. It's about an hour and a half away um, from Shanghai. Um, I was 21 years old at the time, and uh, when I first got there, I, there was not a white person in sight. Nobody spoke any English. Only Chinese people. So, kind of from that point, I had to learn uh, Chinese really fast as a way of survival. When I went, like, whether it's to get food, to buy things whatever the case was. And then I kind of, um, anything I learned in class, learning Chinese, I would just go out into the real world, 
real world and practice it. I also made a big effort too to make a lot of Chinese friends. So that was another thing too. And you know, like not everybody just goes to China when they study abroad in university. They like, they like to go to Europe or something. And I was scared when I did it, didn't know what to expect. But I feel like it was through these experiences of just throwing myself in there, not knowing what to expect. It always gave me the answers in some way. And it was just a matter of having that internal trust in myself. And then whatever comes will come. And, you know, sure enough, it did. And I've, I've just had that time and time again in my entrepreneurial journey. If you just commit to it, you have 100% intention in it. The stars of the universe will kind of align and kind of give you what you want. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, if you have opportunity to travel abroad and again, you have to kind of push through that fear factor. And I would definitely recommend if anyone has opportunity to definitely check out Shanghai. It's just um, considering like the growth, like that city and where we live in the world today, considering 25 years ago, it was like farmland. And now today it's like a bigger metropolis than New York City itself. It's kind of like amazing to see that transition happen in a lifetime. So. Yeah, it's, it's really something else. Um, the second part to answer your question is, yes, I did work in Shanghai. I went back one or two years later to work for six months uh, in the finance district. It's known as Pudong in Shanghai. But yeah, it's, that area is just turning into, like people think certain areas of the U.S. is high tech. Just wait until you go to China. It's just things are on another level there. And uh, I don't even know how to explain. It's just from the elevators to the building, to the grandness of the malls, to the luxury. I mean, there's just so much money there in certain areas that uh, it's very inspiring to work too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the best way to explain it is like if you've been to Times Square and you yeah. see all the LEDs, that's great. But imagine being on a riverfront and seeing all these buildings interacting with each other and all the buildings are LEDs like there is yeah, no yeah. building that's not lit. And it's kind of like watching a giant video game in, in real time. It's it's definitely yeah. it changes your point of view of where technology is in the States versus where potentially we were going eventually for sure. Yeah, exactly. So talking about like time frame like that, I mean, obviously, we're talking about a city like Shanghai. 20 years ago, it was nowhere near where it is right now. It was essentially farmland. And right now, let's say that you're in your farmland stage, right? Where do you see yourself 20 years from now? 20 years from now, I see myself as, uh, I, I think somebody, I see myself as somebody who's really mastered this sleep game. Maybe not mastered it. I mean, they're very in, in its infancy stages, but somebody that just knows and has so much knowledge, I would really like to just teach people and show people a lot of the lessons that I learned. And I, I love to just one day be a philanthropist, I think. Like when I have all of my needs met, it would only give me satisfaction to help other people with their needs, especially if they start off, you know, with the resources that I didn't necessarily have. So whether that's, you know, about sleep performance, you know, whatever the case is, that's where I see myself. But, but ideally I'd like to see myself at that age, like just having, you know, health wise, like a very healthy body longevity, you know, ideally being ripped, having the financial means to do so being able to travel wherever I want, when I want having the freedom, like with all that, um, you know, I think one other thing too, is uh, another person that I follow is an uh, individual name is nomad capitalist. And the idea there is you have a location independent business where you get money no matter where you are in the world. It's kind of the Tim Ferriss four hour work week model, but then you diversify where your income sources are coming from. So like we talked about diversifying your portfolio, why not diversify your income source? A lot of people just have one form of income, their job, but what happens if they lose their job? What happens if some crisis comes, what they might predict will happen, you know, with the Western collapse, who knows in decades from now, but you know, if you can diversify your source of income from different parts of the world, then you can, you can have that plan. I recently heard a talk from um, Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. He, uh, he said, what's your three-day plan? Let's say if something in your immediate surroundings collapsed mm -hmm. and you had three days to escape to another area of the world, could you do so? Do you have the bank accounts up? 
do you have all those financial means to do so? And, you know, this is where you get into like offshore bank accounts, not in an illegal way. You can do it legally, but different passports, legal residencies, you know, just having this insurance policy in, in place to protect yourself from doing so. Hmm. Definitely interesting philosophy, especially coming from Rich Dad, Poor Dad himself, right? So Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So just just talk about like your tools. I mean, earlier on, you were talking about funnels, you were talking about marketing and obviously in, in sleep. I mean, obviously you have to be able to track this data. So what kind of tools do you use on a day-to-day that you would not be able to do what you're doing without having access to that platform? Sorry, can you repeat that again? I cut out there. Yeah, I was saying, what kind of tools do you use on a day-to-day basis that allows you to do what you do? Great question. So um, the very first, I'm really into this stuff. So one person I highly suggest checking out is Sam Ovens. Um, This is where I learned a lot of it from. Um, He has the website consulting.com, but he's really good with the tool piece of it. So the very first one, uh, when speaking with my team and everything is Slack is a very important one. Um, Also, I I love using a video application called Loom. You can record your screen. So anything you want to do instead of typing out the instructions or even if, excuse me, it's an email, you can just make a video recording, send it to them. They know everything they have to do. They have the recording and it's all set to go from there. Um, I use um, Google Calendar is a big one. I use, do you mean specifically software applications or other things as well? Like, you know, or I mean, whatever you, whatever you feel comes, comes to, comes to mind. Cool. Yeah. So, um, it's hard, sort of like hardware and tools. I love the aura ring, tracking my sleeps, tracking my steps, um, tracking all that stuff to see like what, what my biology is doing on a regular basis. Um, I love to use, um, just trying to think here, just give me a second. Um, I love to use, uh, Loom, YouTube, um, uh, drawing a blank now. I have so many tools here. I honestly, what I love doing is just Microsoft Excel or Google Sheets, just keeping everything sectioned in one one area from one cloud. So if I'm using this laptop or this computer, everything just can, can be coordinated from one area. And I just, I love Excel or Google Sheets because I can keep everything in one area. It's not just financial you know, data and things like that. It could be journaling. It could be just keeping everything in one concise place because the more organization I have, the more I can see it visually in my mind, how it all connects with each other, the more I can make better decisions, um, you know, and better allocate my time to the right things that I'm looking for. Also just journaling. I mean, I know it sounds so simple, but if you can just journal your thoughts, or even if it's just like a mind map, like how does everything connect to each other, whether it's your life, whether it's the operations you have to do in your business, you know, entrepreneurship, whatever that is, that's a big piece um, as well. Nice, nice. I mean, I definitely uh, I think anyone you get to a particular level, then you really understand like how to really use spreadsheets and how yeah. spreadsheets really come into like organizing the noise, like like you're saying, yeah. whether it's writing simple formulas or it's yeah. just inputting data from a form. But you know, in today's world, I can't even comprehend what we would be right now as far as general marketers without access to some kind of online. I know, right? It's yeah. crazy. So let's go into like final words of wisdom, right? So if you have opportunity to talk to, let's say it's up and coming VC, they just started out their practice and like, obviously they're burning on both ends and people that don't realize like VCs in the beginning, like they're working probably 22 hours out of 24 to kind of just get their first deal on the books to kind of get that testimonial, get that bragging rights. What words of wisdom or insight would you give to them to not only help them grow their business, but also get some sleep on that journey? For sure. And I, what I would say to them is, is be extremely intentful with your resting hours and your working hours. When you are resting, don't make those resting hours just sitting down and watching Netflix. Make it like an active recovery instead of a passive recovery. So what that would look like is, 
it could be a hot bath. It could be like a yoga session. It could be, you know, like a float float tanks are one of my favorite. I mean, those things will just activate something known as the parasympathetic uh, nervous system and just relax your body so much. So when you go, you do, you do go back to the world and you, you know, you're, you're executing on, on all pistons, you're operating at your full capacity as much as you can. And prior to prioritizing quality over sleep over quantity of sleep, because a lot of them like, look, I'm, I'm realistic. And I understand like in their life, it's just not possible to get eight hours of sleep. They can only get 40, four to five hours of sleep, six hours of sleep. So it's how do we, you know, every single percentage that we're dealing with, we have to optimize everything to make it just so everything is just seamless. Like thinking of your, of your life as a system, how it's running, like, is there any part that's, that's stiff, that's not, you know, like operating it as loose and seamless as it should be. And when you get everything operating like that with the hours that you are given, then things just get a lot better. And it's all relative, right? Like if you can operate 5% better today than yesterday, you're heading in the right direction. You don't have to go from zero to hundred right away. And then eventually when you do start getting your deals coming in and you have more of those funding, you can hire more people. Now you have more time to allocate to yourself. So now you can say, well, now I can sleep eight hours. Now I can put that into more things, but it's really just dealing with the 1% that you have and it's all relative. So just try and optimize as much as you can with what you're given. And, you know, again, it just all comes down to systems. It's all organizing it, whether it's in Excel, whether it's in journaling. And when you can see those openings and you can take advantage of them, then you'll be in a really good place. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, with that, how does someone find you? Like, all right, do you have an email address, a website, yeah. social media profiles? Yeah, they can go to www.sleepconsultant.com, T-H-E, then sleepconsultant.com. On top of there, they can book a free sleep assessment for 15 minutes. I'll just go, um, you know, just what they're struggling with. And then I, I have a ton of resources in terms of how I can help them. I have programs. I can ship lab test kits to their house. But really, I'm really just I'm looking to help people as much as I can, whatever way that I can. Or they can contact me at Riley at the sleepconsultant.com. Great, great. So that leads us to like the bonus round. So I got a couple bonus questions for you. And, and with your background, I think this will be a pretty interesting answer. So what is your most significant achievement to date? Most significant achievement to date is probably, I would honestly have to say overcoming the Crohn's. I mean, I put my Crohn's in 100% remission over the last five years and doctors don't know why at all. Um, when, you know, when they give you the prognosis of you're going to live with this for the rest of your life, you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life. And now to go back to them and for them to say, no, you don't have Crohn's and for them to, you know, kind of scratch their heads, like what's actually going on there. You know, I get a lot of humor out of that. So that's one big thing I would say from a health standpoint, I would say business wise though, it's closing, you know, these high net worth individuals, um, you know, can be for a lot of money sometimes. And to, to translate the value, how it can, help in their own life and to build up this book of testimonials where other can, people can see the value too. I just, for somebody else, it might not be a win, but for me, it really is because sleep is something that I take personally because it affects me on such a personal level that if I can change the world when it comes, especially to sleep for people's productivity and their health and so many other things, uh, that's massive. I see like the way I see it, that's where this train's going. Um, it's what I've been able to help other people achieve as well. And uh, yeah, that's, it's not one you know, in particular event, I would say, but it's just kind of this long thing that keeps going that I appreciate the most. Wow. Wow. So that then leads me to like another question that's very similar to that one, but uniquely different. If you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Uh, that's really good. You know, it would probably be, um, I would have to say Ty Lopez. Um, you know, you could, I could go back like 
I would love to meet Elvis. I'd love to meet a singer. I'd love to meet one of these guys. But I think just today, who would provide most value for my life? Ty Lopez reads, you know, more books than of anybody I know. And people call him a scammer, call him, a, you know. Yeah. But I know a lot of people who have met him in person, and everything. And you know, he's just a great guy on camera and off camera. I think, you know, people people are just trying to make a sale at the end of the day. But what he's been able to achieve is something that I greatly admire, and I think I could pick that guy's brain all day long. People who are looking to strive to something greater that's out of the conventional line of thinking is something that I really appreciate and, and respect. And you know, whenever I just hear that guy talk, um, I, you know, to just be in a room with him for an hour, I would get so much value out of that for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, I think Ty is kind of he he brings that swag as well too. I mean, if if you're that's right. with like 10x, then you understand the 10x swag. If you're yeah, so yeah. he kind of has his own charisma as well. But I mean, I think as of recently, he's diving more into like the NFT space, which is kind of following Gary's Gary's wheel wagon a little bit. So, what's your thoughts on NFTs right now? I think NFTs are amazing. I think that's what can, that's what's going to happen with the future. I mean, not in alignment with um, the metaverse, what's happening with Facebook. You know, we're going to have virtual real estate. You're going to have like art that's in the digital world. People will get jobs in the digital world. I mean, that's where this whole entire thing's going. And I think I, I only have good things to say about it. I think, you know, over the next few years, the technology is going to be a little wonky. You know, it's an exciting time. It's kind of like virtual reality. But eventually where that'll get into when everything just seamless and we can just pop glasses on and just enter this new world, you know, and just and interact in a world that's better than ours, that raises a lot of questions. Like, where's this whole entire thing going? Um, but I think, you know, that has a lot of things, uh, you know, a lot of benefits for us in some ways, but not so good things in others. But uh, I'm kind of interested too. I mean, I do see both sides of it. I mean, there's a video game called Cyberpunk you know, where it's kind of like that dystopia of it. But the good thing with it is just human in, in innovation and ingenuity and where that, where that, that entire thing will take us. Um, I can't wait to see where, where, what, what will happen. Yeah, I saw, I saw you light up. Cause, I mean, obviously your gamer side turned on. You was like, hell yeah, I'm ready to yeah. dive into that world. But then my next question is kind of like the sleep side of it. Like, you know, obviously anyone that has dealt with VR before, VR is like when you go into like a gambling room, there's no clocks on the wall. There's no association to real daylight or time. So one hour, six hours, 12 hours, are all relative. So going to that state of mind like i mean how, how are we going to plan on compensating with sleep when you're in an environment that time is irrelevant yeah, it's that's a really good question i mean where that'll go i mean that could be a scary thing or maybe a not so scary thing mm -hmm. could we be in a virtual reality space where at the same time we're taking like there's something that's pumping our body with everything that we need at that point because technology is so advanced where sleep doesn't matter anymore i mean or because blue us just looking at light without sleep is so detrimental to us like i just read recently like one hour of uh, blue light before sleep which is basically just a light from any electronics um can deplete our melatonin by 99 percent, which is i mean melatonin is our sleep hormone so yeah just with all that stuff really hard to say where it'll go i would say if at the same time they have they have virtual reality and they also have the same level of technology um, to compensate for health that that could be a detriment if we just focus on virtual reality otherwise mm -hmm. then i think it might be okay but the thing is you know where's that all going to go and that's why i love the biotech space because people who are you know who are millionaires billionaires who are you know spending all this money in this kind of thing that's it, whether it's virtual reality or whether it's um you know just in our body and our genetics and all these other things where will that go? I don't know, but um, I think it's exciting either way.
Yeah, it's definitely a fascinating topic. And it's one of those things is like if you're not on a bandwagon, at least by the bare minimum, or at least watch and, and pay attention to it. If you don't want to jump on it, that's fine. But at least know what's going on with that space. Yeah. Just to be aware of it. Yep. So this goes into like closing, man. I, I, I love doing these interviews and, you know, obviously we, we've been talking for roughly about an hour or so. This is the time where the Boston Cage podcast becomes yours. You're now the host of the show and you get to interview me. Do you have any questions that may have come up in this past hour that you'd like to ask me? Yeah, I'm really interested. Well, first of all, your background. I mean, I love your the the name of the Boston Cage. How did you kind of get started in your entrepreneurial journey? It's multiple different levels to that. I mean, obviously, it's kind of like, where do I start, right? I mean, I would say originally, um, it kind of bit me when I was in college, and I got my first degree in graphic design. And I was like, I needed more. And I didn't realize what that more was. And then I went back to school and got another degree in web design and multimedia. And I was like, Oh, this is great. But I need more. And then I kept on going and going. And, and so over the, that 18 year span, I had opportunity to kind of, you know, be everything from a creative director, graphic designer, IT director. And I was just kind of collecting these multiple different principles and becoming a travel agent, got my series six, became oh, cool. a life insurance agent, all these different things just because I was like, I need more. Yeah. So, so then, you know. Fast forward, you know, some things happened health wise and then through that, that, that health recovery process. And I was like, okay, it's time for me to kind of figure out how do I take everything that I've jumped into for 18 years and streamline it into a platform. And that was like the, the dawn of Boston Cage. Oh, that's amazing. So we, I, I definitely see how we have a lot of overlaps there then. I mean, what you're saying with your health stuff, but always looking for more. I think that's one thing, whether entrepreneurs are, are born or, or whether they're, you know, kind of raised or, or learn, it's hard to say, but I think it's a combination of both. Yep. Yep. You have any other questions? Uh, I also wanted to know, what would you say today? What are kind of the best things that, and I'm sure you interview a lot of people, um, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial success, what are like the top three things would you say that either for yourself or other people you've talked to that, that, that encompasses? What I've just learned from, and this is is like a collective statement, right? And this is, this is a statement that, that I've learned past, present, and potentially future, and including the metaverse as well, too, is finding your core niche. In your case, is sleep. Uh, you know, some people, they're selling books. Some people, they're, they're selling nutritional products online. Figure out whatever that niche is and make money at that niche. And then take that capital from that investment and then invest it into real estate. And then yeah. from that real estate, then you can take that and then invest it into other companies or other platforms or the software. And I'm just saying, based upon the interviews that I've had and, and all the people that I've speaking to, and I can kind of see like that pattern that you're talking about, that's what it is. It's finding your, your core of genius, get wealthy, or at least make a lot of money at that. Take mm-hmm. that, pe- put it into a passive platform like real estate. And people was like, well, the market will crash. Well, it doesn't matter what happens in the market. There's always someone that needs to live somewhere. If they can't afford yeah. to buy it then they'll rent it and that becomes passive income for you. And then once you establish that passive income to enough point, then you take that and you invest that in quantity into the market or into something else like startups. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. It's always, you know, that, that growing, flipping into a new thing, learning new insights. It's just that entire journey. If you look at life that way, it just becomes, it becomes so fascinating, right? It's just this laboratory, like you're a little kid again, seeing your hands for the first time. You're just exploring because like you said before, the deeper you dig, like the more you know, the less you know, and it's just you can go down this rabbit hole of so much, um, so much things and so many, so much knowledge. I think I could ask you a, a lot of questions, but I think the last one would be like, throughout your life experience, what's one nugget of information that you know you would give? Let's say if you were on my podcast. Yeah, I mean it's it's so many different things that I could just 
I mean, being a podcaster in a sense, I would say step out of your safe zone a lot easier. And what that really means is that if you're thinking about doing something and you have a hesitation for it, forget about the hesitation and step forward. The prime example was I was always a guy behind the curtain. I never wanted to be uh, the, the camera. So hence why I started a podcast. But uh, if I had pushed myself a little bit more, maybe I would have became a YouTuber versus the podcaster because the podcasting essentially was, okay, I'm going to do a little bit more out of my safe zone. I'm going to step out of that safe zone. And then you fast forward three years and I would say that, you know, I'm a hell of a podcaster, but what if my vision was to become a YouTuber? Where would I be as far as YouTube? You see what I'm saying? So it's yeah. pushing, pushing the envelope a little bit past where you think that something you can do and where you think it's almost safe. Yeah. What past that? Maybe I should have went for television. Yeah, exactly. And it's not you living in regret like, oh, damn, I should have done that. But it's like, what's more? Like if you can just be 1% better today than yesterday and always leaning to that edge, but not too far where you're going to completely freak out. It's like it'll be analysis by paralysis. I think you're in a really good spot. So finding that sweet spot for whoever it is, I think is really cool. No, no. Well, I definitely appreciate you. I, I think, you know, the information that you gave us and just like telling your journey and your story. And, and, and I think I really, this is a really special episode because point blank period, no matter where you're from, background, how much you make, at the end of the day, everyone has to sleep. And if you don't get enough sleep, that's when you start to get the side effects of being sleep deprived. So this is, this is an episode that's very valuable. And I want people to kind of take this information, take heed. And then, like you said before, they can go to your website and get a free 15 minute analysis to kind of see where they are on the sleep scale. Totally. Yep. Happy to help anyone uh, who's looking for it, no matter what stage they are in their life, their business, uh, anything. Great, great. Well, I definitely appreciate um, S.A. Grant over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.